Well, we're starting a whole new series of thoughts today that I'm pretty excited about. And we're doing so along the lines of, uh, can we pray like children? Can we think like children? Can we believe like children? Can we relate to God like children? And specifically today, we are thinking about the greatness of God. And just to give you advance notice, the little experiment, the little homework that I gave the kids a moment ago, I'm going to give to you before we're out of here. And so uh, you'll want to pay attention because there is a test. All right. I uh, felt moved in this kind of way as uh, I was praying about what God might be up to over these next few weeks with us uh, through a prayer that my wife learned when she was growing up. And when I first started dating her, we'd go over to her house to have dinner. They would sometimes pray this prayer at dinner table. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. That's all I knew. That's all I ever heard. But there's more. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. How many of you grew up praying that prayer? Any of, yeah, a few. Of, well, gosh, half of you. All right. So um, you're already well connected with this prayer. Are you well connected with what it means? This is profound theologically. There's a lot of substance here. A lot of theology here. And we're going to take the next four weeks to unpack that a little bit and to Come up close and personal with God and allow him to do some things in us and through us that I think when uh, it's all said and done, you're going to be pretty excited about how God has interacted, interfaced with you over these weeks. If you are newer around here, um, let me just try to uh, relieve any, any tension that might be building up in you right now, because this is not going to be bad. This is going to be good. And I think you're going to enjoy the Lord in ways that maybe you don't get to enjoy him very often, maybe if at all. And so we want to encourage you to hang with us over these weeks. Today we're talking about how great God is. And we're reminded in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, this passage, born out of a context where Jesus was doing some very important things. And some mothers began to bring their children to Jesus so that he might bless them. And the disciples began trying to shoo the mothers and the, and the children away, saying, don't bother him right now. He's doing some very important stuff. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? For to such It's a reference to the the way that we approach God and the way that we approach life. It's very important that we grow up, right? Nobody is making the case for you always acting like a five-year-old, okay? So it's very important that we grow up. You'll appreciate working with people that are grown up, relating to a boss who has grown up, being married to a spouse who has grown up, etc. So we're not making the case to be a child. What we're making the case for is that you are childlike, When you're thinking about God, the things of God, the kingdom of God, the work of God, because children have these attributes that adults somehow get rid of through the years. There's a sense of innocence, trust. Children can still be awed and find things magnificent. They don't get bored with God and the things of God quite as quickly as adults do. 
And you go, Scott, well, you haven't been hanging around my kid. Hey, listen, our kids are growing up too quick these days. I could have said that very same statement 15 years ago, and it would have been much more true than it is today. So I recognize we've got something happening with our families and in our homes and with our kids. So we've got, we got kids growing up too quickly. But to get to the essence of what Jesus is talking about, in that simplicity of childlikeness, to think about God, to think about the things of God, to be awed by Him. In other words, to check cynicism at the door. All of life's experience that have taught you uh, not to fall to this or fall to that. To take a risk and a gamble that God is up to great things and He's inviting us in on it with Him. Romans 1.20 tells us, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, they have been clearly perceived... Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they, they who behold all these things, are without excuse. God puts stuff around us all the time that shows His greatness. And it's important for us to know He's great, to relate to His greatness, not for His sake. He knows He's great. He's not trying to prove anything to you or to me. It's important that we know he's great because it puts everything in proper perspective and in proper order when we understand his greatness and how his great greatness relates to us. He said, I've put enough stuff around you, all kinds of creative stuff around you. You ought to be able to get it. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We've talked about some of these things before. Let me just remind us. Our galaxy is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is one of hundreds of billions of of galaxies. And within just this one galaxy, there are over 200 billion stars, like our sun. You just have to let that number kind of soak in for just a moment. The Milky Way is 150 light years in diameter. A light year is how long it takes light a ray of light to travel in a year. And it travels 186,000 miles per second. So multiply that times 60 to make a minute, times 60 to make an hour, times 24 to make a day, times 365 to make a year. I can't give you that number. It's like 5.8 with 15 zeros after something like that. So they just call it a light year. That's one light year. The diameter of our galaxy is 150 light years. That's one galaxy out of like 150, 200 billion galaxies. And a light years, as I said, 5.80 trillion. I can't even conceive of that. Now, I get so lost in these things. I'm like, so where are we in all that? Well, here you are. 
You see our sun? Wave at yourself. That's you in our galaxy. Let's unpack these numbers just a little bit. What's a billion? Well, what's a a million? We'll back that up. If we were to think about this in terms of seconds, a million seconds was 12 days ago. Isn't that remarkable? A million seconds was May May 3rd. A billion seconds was 32 years ago. There's your difference between a million and a billion. May 1979. You remember what you were doing back then? A trillion seconds. Can you guess? 31,710 years ago. That'd be the year 29,708 B.C. The difference between a million to a billion, a billion to a trillion, makes my head explode. Right? And it's getting really messy right here because I I just marvel at all this. And so when we start talking about billions of galaxies that are trillions of miles in diameter and so on it goes, I, I just explode at that point. But let's go in the opposite direction. Right? Let's go small. You're looking at an eyeball there. An eyeball that has... At creation, at the inception of life, when that eyeball begins to develop a million optic nerves. And not only that, there's a million optic nerves in the eyeball and there's a million optic nerves that are coming out of your brain. And those million nerves have to sync up perfectly like nerve number seven has to connect with nerve number seven. Nerve number 208,000 has to connect with nerve number 208,000. Is that remarkable or what? And in the medical community, they go on to say at around the six-month point, a blade mysteriously appears. That's the medical word. Mysterious. A blade mysteriously appears behind the eye, and it cuts a slit so that your eye will open and close later as it develops. Is that remarkable or what? So when we start thinking about children, how did that get in there? (laughs) Jerry, you've been messing with my slides. So in case you didn't know, this is Jerry and his new grandson, Kaysen, who was just born a couple of months ago. Um, a couple of months ago, a few weeks ago. So anyway, I, I probably need equal time on that, don't you think? And so uh, there's my grandson, Graham, who was born two days after his grandson was born. Uh, yeah. And then we've got all these other babies around here. I see Dom out there with Judah. So uh, we could have a moment to just celebrate babies. But here's the deal. Not only is there that miraculous little thing that's happening before they're born with their eyes, there's 75 trillion cells in that human life. Remember a trillion, 75 trillion cells, 50,000 of which are being replenished every four to five seconds. So you just replenished 50,000 cells. You feel tired? (laughs) 
Is that amazing or what? Your entire skin replenishes itself over your entire body every two weeks. I, I just get blown away with this kind of stuff. There's 75,000 million, uh, 75,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. And 20 square feet of skin. I, I contend I have a little more than that, but 20 square feet of skin, all of which replenishes itself every couple of weeks. Your brain processes 100 million messages per second. And somehow sorts through, categorizes, discarded, you know, whatever wasn't relevant every second. That makes my head explode. All that comes about. The cells, the body, the eyes, the nose, the ears, the hands, the feet, all the functionality. All that comes from one cell from a father, one cell from a mother that makes up this unique, one-of-a-kind, never-to-be-duplicated DNA. All I'm saying, friends, is that God is great. He's a great God. And yet, the reality is, we get bored. This is neither of our grandchildren, by the way. And so I seriously ask you, you find yourself bored with God, the things of God? You're bored with church? You're bored with the... I mean, we just came through Easter, and gosh, how many times have I heard the death, burial, and resurrection story? And, uh, you know, <sighs> I'm just saying, friends, if we are bored, there's something wrong with us. Because God is great. What's up with us that we could dare yawn at the things of God? Here's why I'm excited about this series. Because I believe God is so committed to our enjoying Him. In all of his greatness, in all of his goodness. He's so committed to our being able to enjoy him that he's going to meet with us in unique and special ways today and over these next few days. And so I want to encourage you to think if God's meeting with me and if God is making me an offer, how shall I take him up on that offer? If God were to say, What would you like to see me do in your life over the next six months? How would you answer that? And let me just caution you to be careful. Well, I I pray, oh God, help me in my marriage. Oh God, help me in raising this kid. Oh God, help me with my finances. Oh God, help me with this crazy job situation. Oh God, help me with my health. Oh God, help me. 
Listen, I'm not minimizing any of that. Those things are very, very significant. But all those things have to do with pain relief. My marriage is painful. Help me. My kid thing is painful. Help me. My finances are painful. Help me. My health is painful. Help me. And friends, he is pleased to engage you and to help you in those arenas. We could take time and get testimony and we hear all about how he's been doing that for some of you recently. I want to press you more into the greatness of God. What if you were to say, Lord, over these next six months, would you so work in me that I love like Jesus? How great, how remarkable would that be? Because see, even if your marriage is tough, then he's using a tough marriage to form Christ-like love in you. Even if the kid thing is tough, he's using it to form Christ-like love in you. The finances, the job thing, the boss, the health, all those things become avenues through which he is forming and shaping and fashioning a Christ-likeness in you. What, what if my prayer was, oh God, would you give me eyes to see like you see. Do you know how mind-blowing that is? The things that God knows to be beautiful, glorious, wondrous, all of a sudden you have eyes to see it. You can comprehend it. You can take it in. Can you imagine what that does to your joy level? Can you imagine what that does with uh, your sense of delight? An engagement of God's handiwork. But not only that, the flip side of that, when you see like God sees, you see sin like you've never seen sin before. You see brokenness and bustedness like you've never seen it before. You have your heart crushed by the things that crush the heart of God. It's a risky thing to love like Christ and to see this world like Christ. And I've only thrown two ideas out there. Maybe the Spirit of God's bringing another three or four ideas to you right now. My point is this. I'm not advocating we stop coming to God for pain relief. I'm just advocating that we lean more into His greatness. You cannot be bored when you are perceiving and engaging and experiencing His greatness. Now, you know the whole situation that's going on with asthmatics, right? They can still take in air, but they've got a situation going on with their lungs where they can't exhale. They can't get rid of the air that's already in there. And if you're not, like, bringing it in and and taking it out, then you get in a bad way. And so they had these meds to help them to be able to not just inhale, but to exhale. And I'm making the case for us today, friends... That we need inspiration. We need to be taking in the breath of God. But some of us are spiritual asthmatics and we can't exhale the breath of this world that's already in us. 
And so the case that I'm making today is that God take us through some experiences that cause us to exhale so that we can freshly inhale. You can't receive a fresh breath from God, a fresh idea, a fresh movement, a fresh stirring if there's no more capacity in there because you've got so much worldly air already in there. Are you following me? So, I heard a guy not too long ago talking about how God was at work in him in this kind of way. Exhaling so he can inhale the things of God, the breath of God, the greatness of God. And he absolutely felt God stirring him to look for and listen for wherever God's at work and to join him in whatever God's doing. And so, in the course of that week, he had this little devotional moment with God, and he, he makes a commitment. I'm going to respond to the stirrings that you bring into my life. Believing that as he responds, it'll be this exhaling of himself and an inhaling of God, right? So he goes to the sporting goods store in the course of the week, needed to buy some shoes. And while he's in the sporting goods store, and he's looking at this shoe, and he's looking at that shoe... He notices this guy over here that had a different color badge on than the other employees. He assumed it must be the manager. And the guy is just acting kind of like a jerk. He's just acting badly. And I don't know about you, but when I see that kind of stuff happening at a place where I come to spend my money, I'm a little put out with that. Can I have a little service, please? Can you act like you want my business in here? You know, those kinds of things. And, and this guy was saying, you know, a little bit of that began to run through his mind. But then all of a sudden he had what he considered to be a stirring of God. And he, he, he said, I absolutely sense that God wanted me to pray for this guy. And not only that, to tell him. And so the customer goes over to the manager and he says, kind of looks like you're having a rough day. Are you having a rough day? And the manager throws everything he's ever learned about customer service out the window, right? And he says, you bet I'm having a bad day. This is like the last place on earth I'd ever want to be right now. Wow. You know what? I know it's going to sound strange. But I felt like God has been stirring me to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you. Is there anything that you want to say to me that will help me pray for you? Can you imagine having this conversation with a store manager? <laughs> and the store manager, who had been this like huffy, angry, you know, big kind of guy, suddenly just kind of melted a little bit. And he said, well, yeah, yeah. Um, my wife told me this morning that she's going to leave me. And I asked her, is there anything we can do? Would you go to counseling with me? Is there anything we can do about our marriage? And she said, no, it's over. And that's all they said. The customer said, I'm going to pray for you about that. He left the store. He said four days later, he returned to the store just for the purpose of finding that manager and asking how it was going with that manager. He doesn't know this guy, right? These are strangers. 
He goes into the store. The guy's over there with a customer. He hangs out over here looking at stuff until the manager's through with the customer. And when he gets freed up, he goes over to that manager. And he said, I don't know if you remember me. I was in here the other day. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember you. He said, I just wanted you to know I've been praying for you. And the guy's eyes got wet and a little, little, real little smile broke out on his face. He said, I knew you were. My wife didn't leave. We've still got a lot of problems. She said she'd go to counseling with me. Thank you for your prayers. God is great. Six billion plus people on this planet. Wars, battles, economic crises, tornadoes. Floods, tsunami, all kinds of stuff going on in this world. And he knows what's going on with the manager of a store and another believer who he is stirring to come and to do some blessing work. How great is that God? So some years ago, um, when my kids were in the house and, and we were doing all of this uh, sports stuff that a lot of you guys are involved in. Friends, let me just say, if God, and, and we did that prayerfully. It wasn't just because our kids were athletic and they were like, we've got to do that. You know, this was like, does God want us spending our family time, our family resources in this kind of way? And we felt his pleasure in that. And so it's like, well, then by all means, when you're going to spend all this time at, at uh, gymnasiums and ball fields and all that, don't waste it. If God has given you a green light to be involved in those arenas, then be his ambassador in those arenas. See what he's doing in those arenas. And so we had, at one point, uh, um, a family really going through a crisis. And um, their son, who played with one of my sons, had an older sister who was in high school at the time. And she was just really messing up big time. Big time drugs and, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd, involved in the wrong kind of activity. And it was so out of control. It was so over the top that uh, they decided they were going to have to send her away to an all-girls school four states away for remedial, behavioral kinds of modification stuff. And somehow I'd gotten wind of that, and so um, I call up this dad, who is this extroverted, uh, gregarious, jovial kind of guy. He's always out there, hey man, how you doing? Listen, you know, and he's going to rock his world and whatever. And so I call him up and I tell him, you know, this is Scott Brewer. And he's like, hey man, what's going on? How you doing? Are you ready for this? But you know, he's got all this pumped up stuff happening over the phone. And uh, when he settled down, I just finally said, hey, Mark, uh, I heard a little bit about what's going on with Aaron. And I just really feel impressed that I'm supposed to pray for you and pray for her. I know this, like going to the school is about to happen. I'm praying that God's going to use that whole thing. Boom. Silence. Mark, you still there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, uh, wow. Wow. Uh, Thanks. I said, you, you bet. Count on it. Go pray. So this was a long weekend for them. They went, you know, four states away. They took their daughter. They put her into the school and whatever. And she was resistant and hating every moment of it and giving him all kinds of hard time about it. And um, the next time I saw him was about a week later. And, you know, our kids were playing a basketball game. And so... Uh, I was at a meeting or something, so I was late getting to the game. 
and the game was already underway. Everybody's already in the stands, and I walk in the door. You have to imagine this. I walk in the door of this gym, and I'm on the home team side, and we were visitors. And so all of our team and families and so on are over on the other side of the gym, right? And so I walk in. The game is in full blast motion and so on. There's all kinds of noise, horns blowing, whistles blowing, all this kind of stuff. I walk in the door, and I'm just kind of scanning to get my bearings. I'm kind of looking for where Sherry is. And all of a sudden, I see this guy over in the corner just so animatedly waving at me. And it's, it's Mark. I was like, wow. He's like, yeah, waving me over. So I go up there to sit with him. I went right by Sherry. I'll be back in a minute. And I go up to sit with him. And he is like, you would not believe how that weekend went. And I just wanted to say, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you prayed for that weekend. Because and he began to unfold the story of how his daughter just began to be so responsive to everything that was being laid out for her about what this experience was going to be like. Of course, that's a few years ago. And I wanted to tell you that story because now... She's all grown up. She's totally clean and drug-free, lives a sane life, is an anchor and a reporter for a television station, has a great life. And every now and then I run into this guy and he's like, she's doing good. Goes all the way back to a point of prayer we had a long, long time ago. Um. What's happening here, friends, in this room is an act of God for us, not in this room, but for out there. When we gather for worship in this place, it's like God doing a little preheat on your heart. Because He's up to something. He's cooking something in your heart that when it's ready to be served up, it's going to bless somebody else. See, this room and this gathering is not the end point. How do we get people here? How do we get them to have a meaningful time while they're here? That's not it. The end points are out there somewhere where God in His greatness is going to do thing after thing after thing through you. Where you are an extension of His greatness. And so you come in here and you, you are reminded, because we all have spiritual amnesia. We all forget this stuff. And so you're reminded, He's great. He's great. He's great. He's created the heavens and the earth. He's created all the intricacies of life. Everything that's big, everything that's small, everything that's in between. It's God. It's God. He's done it. He's done it. He's at work all the time around us. What's He up to around me, in me, through me? So he turns on that oven in you. This is just a preheating time for you because of what he's going to cook up out here through you. And that's why I'm excited about this week. Because just to get you on the same page with his greatness, he's got a few divine appointments lined up for you this week. And so I want to just put the ask out there for you as clearly as I know how. Will you go about this day and this week prayerfully and basically just give God a blank check and say, God, 
whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you begin to stir in me, I'll respond. Now you go, Scott, you talk about these things that drives me crazy. Because, for one, I don't pray that well. I certainly don't know much about hearing God, all this kind of stuff. I mean, why? Yeah, okay, here's what I'm asking God to do. God, will you pinch her three times this week so she knows it's you and she'll respond in that circumstance? Will you pinch him? I'm just asking God to do something physical with some of you so that you, oh, that's God. And I believe he wants to interact with you in that kind of way. So will you? Will you reflect on His greatness? Will you worship Him? And in that reflection, in that worship, in that grasping, to whatever level you can grasp it, of how great He is, will you begin to respond? To His little promptings. I'm going I'm to ask you to at least respond to three. I, I know He's going to do more than that. But consciously, I'm looking for God to do three pinches, three stirrings, three touches, three cups on the head. Whatever works for you, God's going to meet you in that kind of way. And then you respond. It may be to give something to someone. It may be to pray for someone about something. It may be to give a a touch or an embrace. It, It may be to share something of your story. I don't know what it's going to be. But here's what I do know. Next week, as we keep moving through the prayer, God is great. What's next? God is good. And the reason we're going to be reminded of how good God is next week is because you're going to have a story. He's going to give you a story this week about His goodness. We're going to give you an opportunity to share it if you want to share it. You can practice that. By telling your small group about it this week. God does one thing, two things, three things through you. Go to your share group and tell your share group about it. You go, well, my share group met on Monday and God showed up on Thursday. (laughs) Email, telephone, Facebook. (laughs) I don't care. Just share how good God is because God is great. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, how good, how great. Right in this kind of moment where we've been freshly reminded, we also recognize how small our minds are to comprehend your greatness. Just touch us right now. Give us capacities beyond what's normal to take in your greatness, to inhale, to be inspired, to be filled, to be stirred, to know something of your joy, something of your blessing. We pray 
in the name that is above every name, the name that is worthy, the name that gives us access to you, the name of the resurrected one, the name of Jesus. Amen.